And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Woody Allen once very famously said that 90% of life is showing up. Being there when people need you. Not cocooning yourself in your attic or your bedroom or your basement, but actually being available to your fellow human beings. And that's what mission is. The mission of the church, the mission of Jesus Christ in the world, is at least 90% just showing up. Being there, that you might be the hands and the feet and the voice of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so a vision appeared to Paul in the night. He saw a man, like you or I, in Macedonia, that area just north of Greece, who was urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul knew right away what that help meant. That help meant that he had to go and preach the good news of victory over sin, death, and the devil in Jesus Christ to them as well. Now, most of us don't hear God or see God or even a man from Macedonia in a vision telling us what it is that we ought to do for the mission of Christ. The closest I have ever come actually was not a call to go to seminary or even a call into ministry. It actually happened about eight years ago when we were home from China, about a month after, months from this day almost, when I decided to go on a very long bike ride between Middletown and Cincinnati to pray and ask the Lord, now that we had come back from China and the synod was saying, we're not really sure what to do with you. We're not really sure where your family should go. Praying out to the Lord, where would you have me proclaim the gospel? And suddenly, I had this very clear thought in my head. Why are you not going to Quebec? Now, I thought about Quebec a long time since I was a little kid, because I'd lived in and around Quebec my entire life, even living vicariously in Quebec for six years through my parents. And I knew that if there was any one place that I knew of well that really needed the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed, it was here. And eventually took a while, the church also concluded that we needed to show up here, my family and I. Now, they're not always convinced of this, especially my daughters. What on earth are we doing in this weird place where it's French everywhere, where we have to do all this weird stuff in school? But I believe firmly, and I think Deb does too, that this is our Macedonia. You are the men who appeared to us in a vision and said, come over to Montreal and help us. Now, help you with what? Obviously, when mission happens, it's the same everywhere. To show up to proclaim the good news. Show up and proclaim the gospel. If we just show up and make coffee or clean streets or 
become an executive with some company. That's not the mission of Christ. Those are important vocations in the world. They're absolutely necessary. And we want to have good people in those jobs. But the mission of Christ specifically is the proclamation of the message. The sharing of the good news. And what is that good news? It's interesting what Paul doesn't say or doesn't see in his vision or doesn't hear from this man of Macedonia. He doesn't turn to his friends after the vision and say, if we don't go to Macedonia, the people there will go to hell. There are a lot of places that preach that. And I ask you to think about this for a minute. If the good news that you're sharing with people is you're all going to hell unless you believe in Jesus, is that good news? It's actually kind of bad news. I'm not saying this isn't true. But the reality is that Paul first and foremost calls people to Christ, not to Satan. He concludes that God had called us to preach the announcement of victory in Jesus. That's what gospel means. Ioiangelion in Greek is a message that there has been a victory over an invading force. Somebody who had decided to come in and take your territory, take your land, take your people, had been repelled and pushed back and would not bother you anymore. That's what the Greeks understood by the word gospel. And that's what Paul understands. He must go also to Macedonia and proclaim. Paul goes first and foremost not to tell people, you need to do this, or you need to do that, or you need to believe this, but to simply announce the victory and let the Holy Spirit do the work of calling people to faith in that Christ who has brought victory to the world. Isn't this what Jesus taught the disciples of how to preach the gospel? The closest we have to people being condemned to hell openly by Jesus is in the parable of the wedding banquet. But the wedding banquet is not about telling people that they're going to be cut off from Jesus. It's about a man and a community showing up with a wedding invitation. Come to the celebration. And it's about a group of people at first saying, yes, we will be there. But when all the food is ready and the fatted calf has been cooked and the tables are set and overloaded with food and the message goes out that now is the time, the people say no. And even then, what does the master of the banquet do? He says, we've got to go out and call more people. We have to fill the banquet hall. And so he sends his followers out to the highways and the byways and the hedges and says, call anybody you can find, the lame, the blind, the poor. I want my banquet hall full. I want people to show up that they might be with me. Now, showing up does not come without its challenges. I've never really heard of a mission anywhere in the world that went super easy, where the person just showed up, said, hey, Jesus died on the cross. You've been saved from sin, death, and Satan, and suddenly, boom, megachurch, 15,000 people. Government says, here's a plot of land. A bunch of people donate the building, and three weeks later, Hosanna Lutheran Church is founded. 
never seems to work that way. And it certainly didn't work that way in scripture. They decide they need to go to Macedonia. And what does Luke record? We set sail from Troas. We made a direct voyage, not to Macedonia, but to Samothrace. And then the next day we had to go to Neapolis. And from there we had to get a taxi to Philippi, which was a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. This is a long trip that gets compressed in like one verse. This is a lot of going hither and yon. Airport transfers, looking for a boat, looking for a shuttle, hitchhiking maybe, doing whatever it takes to get to Macedonia. It's not a simple two-hour drive. But never once do they complain because they know that the mission, which is showing up with the gospel, always comes with obstacles. On July 1st of this year, our family will have been in Montreal serving Ascension for seven years. A jubilee, right? Kind of is fitting that I took a two-month break. I didn't ask for it. It wasn't planned, but I did. And that's sort of a sabbatical, right? A sabbatical meaning every seven years you take a break, whether you like it or not. It has taken seven years to get to the point where I will be able to come here to our Montreal, Macedonia, and serve you full-time. The memorandum of understanding is almost signed. We have two out of three signatures. They were put down on the sheet at lunchtime or breakfast time. Last week at the convention, we got one more signature. We wanted the people from St. Louis headquarters to drive the 15 minutes to sign it, but they were busy. Busy with mission. Or so they tell you. But what is mission? Showing up. And I've never met missionaries that had any success in their work who just never showed up, who were never there when they were needed, who were always busy doing something else. Nonetheless, God's will will be done, and we will be able to show up here and not have to be constantly being pulled away to show up in the Caymans and Jamaica and Haiti and Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic, for which I'm quite thankful, and I hope the family is too. And I hope you are as well. And when the gospel shows up, when the people show up who preach the gospel, what do they show up to do? What's, what's going to happen when they share this victory announcement, when they show up with this good news. There's a lot of important clues here in this very same passage from Acts. We remained in this city some days. We abided there. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. After she was baptized, Lydia, and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. You see what's happening here. There is a coming together of people. The people are showing up together. 
This is not a one by one sort of one at a time. Paul talks to Jason and then Paul talks to Ali and then Paul talks to Sophia and he says, okay, you're a Christian check. I'm going to move on, talk to Nathan. And then I'm going to go and talk to Catherine. It's an announcement to a group, which leads to another group, Lydia's household coming and being baptized, which leads to her wanting the group that's come to Macedonia, because Paul's not by himself, coming together at her household in an even bigger gathering. And in the midst of that gathering, do you know who else shows up? Jesus. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there are. I am in the midst of you. And he gives us gifts that we can see, that we can taste, that we can smell to know that he is there with us. Water that we can see and feel. Bread and wine on an altar that we can taste and smell and hold in our hand. Jesus is absolutely here when we gather together because Jesus has promised to show up. When we show up, together. Shortly after we got here, I gathered together a number of you that were interested in our mission. How do we as Ascension show up in Park Extension and Montreal? And we drafted a strategic plan, an important part of that plan. Mind you, this was a short four or five months before COVID, was more fellowship. We're going to have more potlucks during the year. We're going to have more opportunities to sit down and eat together and fellowship together and spend time together. And what a hardship that for two years, that whole part of our plan had to be sort of completely put on the shelf. That time will come, but it's not here yet. I was always so brokenhearted when new people like the Singh family who aren't here this morning, when they joined the church and shortly after started to ask me things like, do you guys ever eat together? <laughs> yes, but COVID. Do you ever sing together? Yes, but COVID. Do, do you ever have a fellowship hour? Yes, but COVID. But the time is coming, and we knew it would come, because these dark seasons never last, when once again we were going to be able to show up together. Since I started with a film director, I want to end briefly with another film, Keeping the Faith. Kind of a quirky comedy, Ben Stiller, Edward Norton. Two of them are childhood friends. There's another friend who's a woman, uh, grows up to be a woman. Uh, and when the two of them grow up, Ben Stiller becomes a rabbi, and Edward Norton becomes a Roman Catholic priest, both of whom, of course, are in love with this woman. And they have to work through that because obviously only one of them can actually marry her. And in that movie, as Ben Stiller as a rabbi and Edward Norton begin their task of preaching, they find themselves preaching to basically empty rooms. They are coming on the heels of older priests, older rabbi who are not super charismatic, not super exciting, and attendance has dwindled almost to nothing. And so the first time Edward Norton comes to do a mass, He's standing before the altar, much like I do during worship, turns around and looks out and sees in a space the size of Notre Dame downtown, about 12 people, all of whom are apparently living through COVID because they're all completely socially distanced. 
and all totally distanced from the altar sitting at the back. And Edward Norton sighs and looks at them and says, okay, we just, we can't do this. We can't do this. Everybody get up, move up front. God hates a solo artist, I promise you. When the gospel shows up, it shows up that we might show up with each other where Christ is, that we might be one as he and his father are one, that we might bear each other's burdens, that our joys might be each other's joys, that when one, as Luther says, stabs their big toe, we all cry together. And when one finds the lost coin or the lost sheep or the lost son, we might all rejoice together. Jesus answered the disciples who finally said that they had faith. Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered. I'll be on the cross and you will not show up. Each of you will be in your own home. And you'll leave me alone. That's the ungospel. That's the ungood news when no one shows up. But Jesus gives the good news when he says, you know, even if you're not there, I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. And now we, through our baptisms, through Jesus, are with the Father. And that puts us with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it puts us together in mission. And what is mission? Showing up with the gospel that Jesus might show up with us all. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.